With Brexit looming over the London Book Fair a week ago, the watchword among publishers was uncertainty. A terror attack this week under the shadow of Big Ben has shaken the world and added a new level of concern about the future. Welcome to Copyright Clearance Center's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. Every Friday, we take a look at the week's news in publishing with Andrew Albanese, senior writer at Publishers Weekly. He joins me now on the line from New York. Welcome back to Beyond the Book, Andrew. Greetings, Chris. Well, you and I both returned safely from London last weekend following the London Book Fair, but our thoughts turned sharply back to the British capital on Wednesday when a lone terrorist killed four and injured dozens. Sadly, Londoners are no strangers to terrorist violence, yet the shock is always fresh at each new episode. Yeah, indeed. You know, it's it's uh, obviously a sad occurrence. We don't know all the details about what happened there yet, but uh, always appreciate the British and their stiff upper lip, and our thoughts are certainly with the people of London today. Right, and indeed, you know, London is such a, not only a capital for the United Kingdom, but a capital city for the world, and, and the list of injured included people from around the world, and so I guess that's just testimony to the, um, the attractions of that great city, and we certainly, as you say, wish everyone they're the best. And while the clouds of terrorism continue to hang over the world, life and commerce endeavors on. So at the London Book Fair last week, there was a talk of a print and bookstore renaissance. But the most recent audited numbers from the AAP's Statshot program suggest that maybe the print resurgence in the U.S. at least is a little tenuous. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's right. So the AAP sales figures for October of 2016, uh, which are just out this week, showed that adult trade books fell a whopping 13.1% in October of 2016 compared to the previous year. Uh, and that was led by a 24.1% drop in hardcover sales. The biggest trade format, of course, is hardcover. And those are what most of the new, new releases come out as. There was also a 21% decline uh, in mass market paperbacks. And you can read more about these figures on the PW website and in Monday's issue. But I'll note two things, and that's despite all the good news we've been hearing for some time now about print sales rising and bookstore sales rising, at the moment, sales for the 1,207 publishers that report to the AAP are actually down for 2016 over 2015. And for the first time in over a year, ebook sales for those same publishers actually ticked up slightly, just about 3%. Right. So I'm going to go out on a limb here, Andrew Albanese, and and suggest that maybe the U.S. presidential campaign had something to do with lackluster sales in October. Absolutely. So fall is usually the big selling season for publishers. But last year, the industry saw a big orange stop sign. (laughs) And in, in the numbers, you can actually see that many publishers adjusted their pub dates away from the month before the election, uh, expecting that people would be thinking really about nothing else but politics. Uh, And that's especially evident in the 24% decline in hardcover sales, which, as I say, is the the format of most new releases. As for eBooks, October was the first month in which straight agency terms were actually compared for consecutive years. As you may recall, the sanctions on publishers were finally exhausted and had worked their way through in September of 2015. So October was the first month where we were comparing uh, agency sales to agency sales. Hence, we seem to have bottomed 
bottomed out and actually saw a slight rise in ebook sales. Um, still, I would be a little concerned by the ebook numbers. While we may not see any more of the big monthly declines that we've been seeing steadily for the past year going forward, it's going to be interesting to see whether those sales actually start to bounce back up again. And frankly, they need to bounce back up again because if publishers are betting on print and bookstore sales to just carry them to growth, I think that's a risky play. All right, then. When we return with Andrew Albanese, the latest on pushback against White House budget cuts to programs supporting the arts and libraries. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. Publishers Weekly Radio has the very best in book talk directly from New York City, the heart of the book publishing world. I'm Mark Rotella, Senior Editor at Publishers Weekly. And I'm Rose Fox. I'm a Senior Reviews Editor at Publishers Weekly. Join us every Friday for a full hour of exciting author interviews, best-selling books, and expert reports on the nuts and bolts of publishing. Every week, we make sure that you have the inside story of your favorite story. Take a listen at publishersweekly.com slash pwradio. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book with Andrew Albanese of Publishers Weekly, and we are reviewing the week's news across the book world. So while we were preparing to leave for London last week, Andrew, we learned that President Trump's proposed federal budget called for elimination of the NEA, the National Endowment for the Arts, the National Endowment for the Humanities, as well as federal library funding. In Monday's issue, PW has a piece on how some nonprofit groups are responding. And what are they telling you? Yeah, that's right. So on Friday of last week, we got word just as we were preparing to to come home from the London Book Fair uh, of what we've been expecting for almost two months. And that's that President Trump's budget proposal for 2018 eliminates entirely uh, funding for the National Endowment for the Arts, the National Endowment for the Humanities, and also the Institutes of Museum and Library Services. Uh, the NEA and the NEH both received about $148 million in funding, while the IMLS budget Budget was about $230 million. Now, that's nothing in terms of the federal budget. That's a fraction. That's a decimal point. Uh, but it really is a major, major hit to the publishing industry, to writers, and to libraries. Now, I reported from London, actually, on the ALA, the American Library Association's response to the proposed cuts, which they called short-sighted and misguided, and they vowed to mobilize their members to fight the cuts. You know, the library community has a very strong lobby, so watch what happens there. They have a lot of allies in Congress, and they have a lot of people who use libraries every day in every congressional district. So I'll also note that in mid-January, The Hill reported that the Trump administration planned to take the funding for these domestic programs and use them in order to spike military funding by 10%, about $54 billion. So it isn't even deficit reduction that we're talking about here. That's really deficit reduction is the the old saw that always seems to be trotted out when we're trying to cut cultural programs. That's not even what's happening here. And as you noted, in Monday's issue, our news editor, John Marr, has a really great piece uh, outlining the response of various agencies to these proposed cuts. And I actually sat down with John uh, and asked him about how the Trump cuts have galvanized nonprofit literary groups. Here's what he had to say. The literary and book industry-related nonprofit sector is astoundingly diverse. But when it comes to the Trump administration's proposed elimination of the NEA and NEH, and the administration's attacks on the press, the nonprofit response has been uniform, it has been simple, and it has been clear. We need to stop this. 
So check out John's piece, which includes perspectives from a range of groups, all of which are strong supporters of First Amendment rights, free speech, free press, and, of course, government support for the arts and the humanities. And these include uh, the American Library Association, the Academy of American Poets, the Association of Writers and Writing Programs, the AWP, the Authors Guild, and the Community of Literary Magazines and Presses, to name a few, as well as the National Coalition Against Censorship and PEN America. And I'll leave you with a quote from PEN America director Susan Nossel, who previously served in the State Department under Barack Obama and has also been head of Amnesty International, I believe, who noted that the organization is going to open an office in Washington, D.C. very soon so they can be closer to the fight. Nossel said that I think it's a very different landscape for those of us who do free expression for a living. Uh, and the things that we have taken for granted in this country have really been thrown into question. Couldn't agree more. Well, indeed, and one thing we never take for granted at Beyond the Book is Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly Senior Writer. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure, as always. In 2017, resting anywhere or on anything is no longer a reliable business strategy. In the dynamic open access publishing environment, nothing stands still for long. Last week at the London Book Fair, Copyright Clearance Center presented an annual forum on the latest developments in OA. Springer Nature's Amanda Ward told me that publishers hope to harness technology so that researchers and authors give proper credit to those who fund their work in the lab. I think what we're really trying to do is look at um, capturing the best amount of author metadata as early on in the process as we can so we can best serve authors with their options. The earlier we know about an author's affiliation to an institution or any other funding options that they might have, the better we can um, push them towards that so we can actually put the author at the heart of the process rather than hoping that they might know how they will find their funding. The winning move for open access next on Beyond the Book. Beyond the Book is produced by Copyright Clearance Center, a global leader in content management, discovery, and document delivery solutions. Through relationships with those who use and create content, CCC and its subsidiaries RightsDirect and Ixis drive market-based solutions that accelerate knowledge, power publishing, and advance copyright. Beyond the Book co-producer and recording engineer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. I'm Christopher Keneally. Join us again soon on Beyond the Book. 